need a lesson in that, I can teach you. Uh, Kelly Woods, Kelly's not here this morning, but Kelly can also teach you a lot about man logic. And probably you don't want to follow anything either one of us say if you want to be married or happy. <laughs> okay? <laughs> just, just let you know that. That's probably some of that advice you don't need. But so let's go on in our story. Let's go see what Micaiah has to say. This is uh, 1 Kings 22, uh, beginning verse 13. And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Now remember, these are the false prophets, the people that worship Baal and golden cows and all that. It says, Let your word be like the word of the one of them and speak favorably. Well, now let's pause right there. I need your prophecy. But all the rest of the guys said this. It's like, you know, sports team. Who do you predict is going to win the ball game? Nine out of ten said it's going to be Tennessee. Who are you going to say? Well, if you said Florida, you'd be the one right guy now, wouldn't you? You know, who, you know, sometimes it's just you're led into things. Let me ask your opinion, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you the answer I'm asking for. But Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. I want you to think about this because sometimes speaking God's truth causes us to go against the flow. I don't know how many of you have ever had the opportunity to give advice to someone in a hopeless situation, but if you are a Christian trying to advise someone in a Christian way of life, how I think God would want you to handle this in your life, and that same person you're advising is getting advice from non-Christians, you will be going against the flow like this all the time. You will be giving them advice that does not match what they're hearing from the world because God has a different set of values than the world does, okay? God will tell you that we're putting others first. Do you ever hear that from the world? I think the Pope's the only one I've ever heard say that on TV in the United States, and he's not even from here. <laughs> you know, the Pope comes over and talks about putting others first and poverty and, 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 and global you know, pollution and all these things. He's talking about things to improve for everyone, not for what benefits the Pope. We don't hear that in American society. We are very much of, okay, well, I know it may be harmful to these other folks, but what does it do for you? And that's where getting advice from Christians versus non-Christians, a Christian will often be going against the flow, and our advice will sound absolutely crazy. You know, you're broke. You're in financial dire straits. As a Christian, I'm going to tell you, one of the best things you can do is make sure you still consistently give to God. Say, what? I am broke. You're saying you just want to be one of them rich TV preachers, don't you? You want my money. (laughs) Absolutely. That's right. I want a new car. I want this. You guys bring your donations in. You know, I always say it's so we can have a church with these nice amenities. We have like a roof and running water. That's (laughs) kind of where your money goes to to pay for the electricity. You know, no, you know, we look at these things, you have to evaluate all this in the context of what's going on, of, of why we need to do things. The scripture tells us, hey, you're blessed when you give to God. God will bless you back more than you can give to him. That is an absolutely crazy principle. Now, one of the things I want to, to tell you about that, though, when you hear that advice, there's not a magic formula that makes it work. You don't take your checkbook and say, okay, I know they say to give a tithe. I don't know if that's on net or gross. I'm going to do it on, I'm going to do it on my net. I'll cheat. You know, this is so many dollars and so many cents. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a half a cent. Does that go to God or me? Let me I, 
this is hard. This is really, okay, I'll give the half cent to God. <laughs> Guys, if you are that legalistic about why you're giving to the church, God's not blessing you. God's blessing you because you're thinking of others when you give, and you're thinking, okay, if I give to this church, to this ministry, this is bettering the lives of other people in our community and give them the opportunity to know God. That's why you should be giving, not because it relieves your guilt, it relieves some, some debt you owe, or you feel it's an obligation by law that you have to give. And again, that's where Christian advice sounds crazy to people in the world. You're broke, give money. Say, what? I'm too busy. You need to serve somewhere and help others. What? All these things that we give advice, they go so countercultural. Jesus was so countercultural, it is insane. That is one of the reasons that so many of the religious authorities of the day hated Jesus because he was going against their established way of doing things and putting others before himself. And that was not the way society worked then, nor is it the way it works now. So those are the things we sometimes go against the flow. Next verse, this is it. we're at 22.19 for those of you that are following along. I believe, is that correct? Hang on a second. I don't want to lose my place and skip something here. We're at 15. Okay, my, my iPad jumped a line there. See, the Satan is in Apple technology. <laughs> Sean and I are windows guys. Is that right, Sean? Satan is in the Apple technology. All right. Sometimes. I disagree with that theology. <laughs> because it doesn't match your personal point of view. Right. See, that's, just, see, that's what we've been talking about all morning. I, I don't accept your truth and reality. All right. But so, yeah, we're talking about going against the flow. But going into this next verse, uh, verse 15. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, Shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? And he answered him. Now, I want you to look at this answer. Go up and triumph. The Lord will give it under the hand of the king. But the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? It appears that Micaiah is going to be one of my heroes because he is the sarcastic prophet. He has come before the king and said, yeah, man, it's going to be all right. It'll be okay. And the king can tell by the tone of voice, you're lying to me, son. You better be telling the truth. You're not telling me what God said. Why are you telling me that? He said, I want you to swear to tell me the truth. How many times shall I make you swear that you speak nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And then Micaiah says, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. That was a very excuse me, typical way in the Old Testament, in those times of the Bible, they had sheep and shepherds, and everybody knew what that meant. The sheep was the head of the shepherd, and he kept them, he kept them safe, kept, kept enemies away from them, kept them from hurting themselves. But so we have sheep and shepherds. Well, this was just a prophecy that the king was the shepherd, and he was fixing to lose all the sheep. He was fixing to have a bad thing come up against him. And so, and, and he also says, and the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good for turning me but evil? Did I not tell you this guy, Micaiah, the sarcastic prophet, has it out for me? He doesn't like what we're doing. He's going to tell you the opposite just because he doesn't like me. And I absolutely hate this guy. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. You know why I hate him? Because the truth it's hard to accept when it goes against your own plan of action. Do you really want somebody's advice or are you wanting someone to come and say, 
You're the man. You're the woman. You've got the idea. Yes, I support that. You are so smart in what you're doing. Or the guy that comes up and says, you know, that is really stupid. You're going to wind up getting killed and scattered all over creation. Who do you want to listen to? You want to listen to the one that tickles your ears. You want to listen to the one that goes with your plan of action. And we've got to have action with our hope. We can't just sit here and, and hope this problem goes away. But we also need to have a plan that matches God's plan. And that's where Micaiah is upsetting the world of this king by saying, dude, that's not going to work out. This is not what you need to do. Now, just giving you a little more background on Ahab. Ahab is a sorry king okay there's no other way to put it he is awful he is worse than our worst politicians you know do you remember the name Jezebel is everybody or anybody ever been called to Jezebel <laughs> hopefully not I've seen hands go up and then quickly go right back down <laughs> a Jezebel was is a term that we use for an evil woman hateful whatever well this was Ahab's wife so not only does he stink as a king he's got a horrible wife that would do all these things there was this vineyard that back before this event happened, that King Ahab wanted. It belonged to a, a guy named Naboth, and he just said, I want that vineyard. Well, he didn't want to sell. So you know what the, the lady did, Jezebel? She got on Naboth. I went, well, he's gone now. It seems like he's died. So I guess you can have that now. So what does Ahab do? He takes it. And then guess what happens? God busts him on it. I know what you guys did. I saw it. And then all of a sudden, Ahab, oh, God, you are my God. Oh, please, I repent. I repent. I will never do this again. I will never do this again. God, please, please just get me out of this jam. I am so sorry for what I've done. Anybody ever done that? I'm sure we all have. We've all done things that Scripture tells us we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all done things that don't meet up to God's expectations. And when we do that, we plead with him, please let me repent. Let me have another chance at this, God. Help me out here, God. I, I, I need another chance. And that's what has happened here to King Ahab. Before this whole event has gone, he has already done this. He's asked for a second chance once before. And it's just like, my goodness, do you not listen? Do you not listen? No, Ahab doesn't listen. Do you know who he listens to? He listens to those 400 prophets that don't speak the truth because they tell him what he wants to hear. And that's the type, I want you to just see, I want him to build this so we see the character of King Ahab and who he was and who he was really wanting advice from. And Micaiah said, uh, this is uh, twenty-two nineteen. therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. Now this is where this gets into good stuff that, you, that Micaiah has, has some incredible, incredible ability to see things that God reveals to him that, that most of us would never see. He says, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the, the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? Whoa. You think God maybe has gotten tired of Ahab's character? He wants to know who will entice him that he'll go up and he'll fall. In other words, who will lead him into battle so he'll be killed? And one said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, by what means? How are you going to do this? And he said, I will go out and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all of your prophets. And the Lord has declared disaster for you. That is one of the scariest passages of scriptures to me to see that God can use even the spirits that are evil to do his bidding when he, he wants things to happen. 
He used these lying spirits through these prophets. Now, notice he didn't go through Micaiah. Micaiah was not going to be inhabited by a lying spirit because he is a man of God. But these others who were not men of God were easily influenced by Satan's demon spirits to tell somebody something that got him killed. You think it's important who we ask for advice? Do you think it's important to take God's view versus that of the world? That's about as sobering a passage as I can think of to see what can happen to us. Satan can entice those we ask for advice to lead us in the wrong direction. You know, we're bad about I was joking about men going to the doctor. Guys always get the bad reputation, well-deserved most of the time, that we will not ask for advice. Well, I'm not sure if I want to advise for advice now, if I've got to the way now. Not only should I ask for advice, has this guy got a lying spirit? Now I've got to not only do this, I've got to have some discernment about the advice I'm giving. It makes it hard, folks. It makes it hard asking for advice. Let's move on, uh, 22, 24. Then Zedekiah, the son of Chenah, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, see what happens when you go against the flow? How did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide yourself. And the king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah and take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. Talk about when he comes back from battle. And Micaiah said, If you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Hear all you peoples. Not agreeing with the hopes of someone if he caused us to be cast out from their lives. King Ahab was so aggravated with Micaiah and his not going along with the program, supporting his point of view, he cast him out of his life. Guys, as Christians, you may occasionally have friends that at some point in time, if you continue to give them good advice, you continue to tell them the way God would have them to go, they will cut you out of their lives. I'm sorry it happens that way. I've seen it happen. Some people will not accept Christ because they know it will happen. They know their friends will leave them, and they value their friends better, more than they do their relationship with God. It's a very, very difficult decision to make, and it may even be your own family that may not go along with that. Because like I said, we are at war with an enemy here on the earth. You know, Satan is real, and he influences people. Just like he did in the Old Testament, he still influences people. And that influence will often come to bear against us as Christians, and we will be cut off from those people. Do you know why? Because if Satan can cut us off from their lives, he's got them. He knows if they had no Christian input in their lives, they're never going to come to God. They're never going to do the things that God wants to do. If I can cut them, uh, cut them from the herd, so to speak. You, you know, you've seen that in the in the in the wildlife movies where you know the lions attack or whatever, and they and they cut one out and they corner them up and pin them, and that's how they kill their prey. That's the way Satan works. He tries to cut you off from the body of Christ, cut you off from those that will, will have good input in your lives, and then he has a way to kill you. But look at Micaiah. Like I said, he is definitely the sarcastic prophet. If you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken from me. Can you just see him saying that? I can just see him he's like, he knows what's going to happen. He's like, huh, this guy is not returning. He's going to be dead. The people are going to get scattered, and I'm going to be okay because the Lord is going to take care of me. But he has prophesied this to him. He says, hear everyone, hear my prophecy. That's how sure he was that he was hearing from God. He wanted everyone to know that that was what was going to happen. 
So let's look at our uh, final section here from 1 Kings 22, starting with verse 29. This is what the culmination of this story. This is what happens. This is, this is the hopes of the king to go and conquer another, another culture, another land. He has put in action with that hope. He hasn't just sat, which is a good thing. We're going to talk about that in closing. He didn't just sit and wait on things to be delivered into his lap. He took action, but he took advice from the wrong people. And let's see how his story ends up. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, and remember the two kings that are northern and southern kingdoms, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth-Gilead. And the king of Israel, Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes, you go into battle, you mount the charge, you get on the white horse up front with all your royal colors on, and I'll be kind of like here. My, would you even take those conditions to go into battle? This is crazy. I'm going to go incognito king mode. You know, I'm the ninja king. You don't see me. While all these other guys are out here fighting and Jehoshaphat's out front and he's taking advantage of the situation and showing that he's the king and he's in command. And the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. So here he is, you know, kind of looking like one of the other soldiers. Now the king of Syria had command of Syria had command Syrial. That's good. Yes, th- this is Captain Kellogg of the. <laughs> now the king of Syria had commanded the thirty-two captains of his chariots fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel. Now I don't know why Ben-Hadad has such a wants to get the king that spared his life so badly, but he's like, no, I want you to go after only one person, the king of Israel. I want you to kill him. And when the captain of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, they cried, It is surely the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out. I don't know if it was some kind of battle cry he let out or what. You know, and when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. Whatever Jehoshaphat said, they recognized that that was not the king of Israel. That was not who they were commanded to go and kill. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. This is just like in these TV police shows, you see, where there's this big standoff, and you've got the 500 police SWAT team out here, and you've got the one or two random guns. Don't anybody shoot to my command. And there's always the one dude, the one guy that goes, and this is the way this this archer is, and he's like, oh, sorry. (laughs) Okay, we're done. And he struck the king of Israel between the scale, armor, and breastplate. Basically, right here in this area, he struck him. And therefore, this is Ahab, says to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. The battle continued that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians until at evening he died. And the blood of the wound flowed into the bottom of the chariot, and about sunset a cry went through the army, Every man to his city, every man to his country. They were scattered back to where they came from, just as Micaiah had said would happen. The king was mortally wounded. He bled to death in his chariot and never returned home. This point I want you to think of right here is a good friend's advice may not be valued until after we've run the course of the action we hope for. I wonder what King Ahab's dying thoughts were. I wish I hadn't hated that prophet. I wish I'd listened to him. Those 400 idiots that worshiped the golden cow were not worth listening to. You know, they led me into battle. Here I am, mortally wounded now by a freak accident by the guy with the itchy trigger finger, and I'm dying because of all this. 
I mean, that's the circumstances that happened. You know, it was almost, you, you know, losing someone's life is not comical, but the situation around it almost is. It's so crazy what happened to this guy. They went out into battle, went into disguise, put his, you know, cohort, the king of Judah, out here in front in his robes, and he winds up getting accidentally shot between his, his two pieces of armor, and he bleeds to death. It's crazy. But that's what happens sometimes when we don't listen. And the problem is, it was too late for him. It was too late. At that point, he's bleeding in his chariot. It doesn't matter what advice anybody gave him. At that point, it's too late. And I'm sure he wishes he could have turned back the clock and listened to that advice and not gone into this war because he found out what was going to happen. But sometimes that advice, we don't realize until we've gone through this horrible situation thinking, if only I'd listened to him. If only I had, had gone and got some sound advice of what God would have me do in my life, it might have saved my divorce. It might have saved my bankruptcy. It might have saved my addictions. It might have saved my estrangement from the rest of my family. It might have saved my job. There's so many things that we can go back and look at that that advice could have had a positive effect on our lives. But one thing I want to close with here is we've talked a lot about hope. I want you to see today that King Ahab had a hope, but he put action to it. Unfortunately, he looked to the wrong people for the advice on how to apply that action. But as we're closing here with this last verse, I want you to think through this because God expects something of us, a responsibility, not just to sit here and hope and hope and hope. This is from Proverbs chapter 27, uh, verses 23 through 27. It says, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever, and does a crown endure to all generations? Obviously, we saw that from this passage of Scripture, that know that they do not. When the grass is gone, and the new growth appears, and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide you clothing, and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household, and the maintenance of your girls. Obviously, he had daughters, whoever the writer of this proverb, they're going to maintain his girls. No, actually, that was talking about their servant girls in the house. But what this verse is saying is, if you will prepare ahead, if you will look and do the things that you should be doing and take responsibility for your actions, that is an active element of hope. It doesn't just say, notice this passage doesn't say, now you should hope and pray that your flocks do well and don't worry about your herds. Everything's going to be cool. God's going to take care of you. No, he says, give attention to these things in your life that need attention. Give attention to your flocks and your herds so that when you need these things, they will be there. He doesn't say just to pray about it and hope something happens. We are so guilty as Christians, and I don't even know how to describe this type of faith. We think that God is like the Holy Santa Claus that just deals out good things for us. Here you go. Oh, you hope you get a new job here. Don't worry about putting an application in. Here, you want to kick your, your, your booze habit? Have another six-pack on me. Here, let me help you with this. Here, help, help, help. While never requiring us to do anything of ourselves. That's not the way God works. This proverb here clearly illustrates we are responsible for things that we should be doing. God gives us the responsibility to work in order to provide the things we hope for. That work, obviously, that putting action to hope has to be balanced with correct advice. And what's the one thing I wanted you to remember today? 
from the very start of this, from our bumper intro, listen to that one voice. Now, how do you do that? How are you going to listen to that one voice? Well, first of all, you have to have accepted that Jesus Christ died for you and rose again, and he covered the penalty of your sins. That puts you in a relationship with the one true God, with God Almighty. That's your first step. You've got to have that. If you want God to help you, you've got to do that one. That's bare minimum. Then you need to start learning what the things are that God wants you to do in your life. You won't need to learn how a Christian is to navigate this crazy world we live in. And when you do that, God will begin to work through you. You've got to have those elements in place. If you want God to help you, he's not Santa. He doesn't do this just because he loves everybody. He doesn't. You know, sometimes it appears that way in the world. We see people who we don't think deserve riches and fame and things like that. Get it. We're talking about an eternal perspective here too, folks. We're not just talking about what's going on in earth. We hope for something that's way beyond this world. Our hope lies in that we have an eternity to spend with the one true God forever and ever. That is our real hope. And there's a lot of action we have to do on this earth as we navigate that path towards eternity. You know, God wants us to be a witness to those around us. He wants us to invite others to come with us and worship. He wants us to give good Christian advice. And to do those things, we've got to be in right standing with God himself. We can't go giving advice if we're not in God's will. We can't give it good advice if we're not in a relationship with God himself. And I want you to think about that. Guys, the band wants to come back up as we close. You know, be thinking about <clears throat> what things we can do that will put us in, you know, in God's will and in a good spot with him. Because that is the most critical thing for us as far as the first action we should take in our lives is to make sure that we are in tune with what God would have us to do. Let's pray along those lines as we close. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for this tremendous opportunity this morning to share this, this just phenomenal story from the Old Testament about, about a king who has gone astray and, and, and his hopes, God, that were not realized. But just pray, God, that you will, you will help us as we, as we go through our lives day to day that we can, God, we can somehow reach out to those around us. And most of all, we can reach out to you and realize you are the, the strength. The things that we hope for have to come through you, God. And for that to happen, we have to set on a course of action that is good and righteous and matches with your will. And God, just pray most of all today that those of us that are Christians, that we will be able to have influence over others. And God, also that you will fill our lives with Christian advice. And people that know you, they will be willing to walk beside us on this journey called life and help us through the rough spots when we feel hopeless. They will come beside us and say, God did this for me, and he'll do it for you. And I just pray that you will, will help us to have those relationships in our life so we will have good advice. And as we put, put action and responsibility behind the hopes that we have, God, that you will bless us, and most of all, you will be glorified. And we just pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.